0: These are not Buck's words, but this is what he inferred. We need to do what is important, not just urgent. We need to seek to be proactive and build our lives rather than just going through the reactive tasks of every day. So that's uh, that's almost like a, a desired place to get to. Yeah, activity as an extension of who I am, defined clearly by my values. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a wow. Yes. Yeah. It's powerful. It is very powerful. Very mm. powerful. You know. Yeah. Fifth value. Another one is loving speech. And joyfully, I announce to you that I think this value is the one that challenges me most. I do take great pride, dear people, in speaking openly and honestly and transparently. But there's no use speaking in that way In such a straight way that it lacks empathy. Hey, you've just joined A Journey with Bernie. Well, dear listeners, I welcome you to this very special edition of A Journey with Bernie. What makes this episode different to all the rest? What makes it special? Well, very proudly, I'm announcing to you it's our 10 episode anniversary. Can you imagine how delighted I'll be when we have 100 episodes? And that will happen, dear people. I've always wanted a journey with Bernie to offer points of differentiation. And what we're going to do today is different than the usual. It's not Bernie interviewing a guest, it's Bernie looking back at the previous nine episodes and summarising some of the great learnings. I even want it to be more than that. I actually want to share with you my journey and how some of the thoughts and the ideas and the strategies and the actions of our previous guests have impacted me. I think it's only right that you get to know the show host on a personal basis. I hope I do that justice today. I need to thank you, first of all, We've had nine episodes. We've had over a 1,000 listens. Now, I don't know whether that's good, bad, or great, or, or whatever, but I'm very, very proud that there's been a 1,000 down- downloads of our episodes so far. Interesting enough, 64% of our downloads are from Australia. Can you believe there's 10 from Spain? Oh, God, I couldn't believe it when I saw one from Nepal, one from Finland. A number from the United States. I've got no idea who's a friend in Illinois or from Alberta in Canada, but there's quite a few listeners over there. I am announcing, quite sadly, however, that we've had none from New Zealand, and I'll have to be speaking to my Kiwi mates about that and rectifying that in future episodes. What am I saying? Thank you ever so much for your patronage and your interest in the topic and the objective of what this podcast is all about. Can I remind you of that? This podcast was inspired by how to become a more loving human being. In the back of my mind as I interview any of our guests, I'm saying to myself, are my listeners extracting actions and strategies, processes, paradigms, different views that could enable them to enrich their lives with more love? Greater sustainable inner happiness. That is, how does one generate greater happiness on a day-to-day basis? As a result of, some of the things that they've been hearing from our guests. That's one of the purposes. And in the process of all this, how does this all bring greater meaning to our lives? I don't want this to be a philosophy. I've always wanted you, the listener, to walk away and say, this is what I could do to feel more love in my life, more happiness in my existence, and greater meaning in our humble presence upon this earth. That's what a journey with Bernie is all about. Already one of the great learnings for me is I thought the topic, the, the very objectives that I've just announced to you, I thought that would lead to some of the same repeat material from different guests, some of the same similar content. And I've been amazed, if not surprised, a little bit stunned by how each of our guests have offered Something so different. I want to take you back to episode number two. It was with Ian Skippen. And every time I think of that download, I think of Skip's innate joy of life. But also he spoke of the importance of his morning routine, which he alluded to when he said
1: this. So I still wake up early. But the kookaburra is a far better alarm clock than the jingle jangle of whatever it was going beside my bed. Wow! So the kookaburra now, whenever they go off, but I can be awake before they go off. But this morning they're <laughs> off. Yeah, you know, Yeah, you probably wake them up. Yeah, you know, maybe.
0: <laughs> you see, I found that so intriguing that every morning Skip goes to nature. He's awakened by nature. But as you listen to his podcast, he then interacts with nature as a way of starting his day. It almost fuels that joy of life that Ian Skippen has. Hey, then there was Tony Groom. What a beautiful man Tony Groom is. But maybe Tony actually explains why Skip seeks nature first thing in the morning. Because Tony would say that nature is, is our home that we and nature are one he sees a greater force a greater presence through his interaction with nature if you want to learn about the power of nature in our lives and how it can impact our spirit then you've got to listen to episode three with tony groom then the taylor pierce and jasmine weston what a difference that podcast was our two young adventurers stepping into the unknown. Proudly, what was beautiful about that is that they were able to do that safely. But how wonderful was it to hear that when they experienced so young the adventure of stepping into the unknown that it set a foundation for both of them to continue to take risks, to continue to be unafraid to do new things, to find courage to explore and experience life. And the fact that they could do that in a safe environment of going to Kilimanjaro and Tanzania with y and Global Immersion was a wonderful thing to hear and understand. Then there was Buck, uh, John Buchanan, the ex-Australian cricket coach, He spoke to us that each and every one of us potentially have an Everest. What's an Everest? It's sort of like an innate calling, something that we are perhaps like meant to do. But the challenge is for each of us to find our Everest. But beautifully, he then spoke about moving towards your Everest by doing something important. Every day, These are not Buck's words, but this is what he inferred. We need to do what is important, not just urgent. We need to seek to be proactive and build our lives rather than just going through the reactive tasks of every day. I love it when he gave us this thought about incremental successes on a daily basis. Listen to this.
2: I still think people, even on a daily basis, as hard as it is,
3: if I gave myself, which people should do, but again, it's hard, if I gave myself 10 minutes at the end of the day to reflect on the day, was I successful? Wow. In a day. Well, I think so. Because again, to help you get through tough times, you just need, incremental steps of success
0: yeah incremental steps of success but thinking that each day is a creative opportunity to move forward thank you john buchanan that's a a wonderful concept and and a wonderful thing for you and i to aim for on a daily basis hey then the big surprise what about nathan longman i told you the story didn't i we were First night in Kathmandu on our way to Everest Base Camp and I just decided to take the group out for a welcome drink and there was that Aussie voice. The Aussie voice turned out to be the first Tasmanian ever to climb Mount Everest and we were enthralled by his story. But in the podcast, what came out so beautifully was his why and and his reason for climbing Everest. That he needed to do Everest in order to discover that he didn't need to do Everest. Now, I know that sounds a paradox, dear people, but in fact, Nathan's opportunity to discover greater worth and greater value and greater esteem in himself came in the pathway, not necessarily the destination, but how much admiration. You have for anybody who decided to take on a monumental goal in order to shake the roots of their life. that's what Nathan Longman taught us that we have the capability to do remarkable things and in the process discover so much value within ourselves. I thank Nathan for opening up our eyes about those possibilities. Now, One of the very popular podcasts was the one with Joel State, a reminder. He's got a cancer of the kidneys. Only 60 people in the world have got this cancer. That's almost a um, death sentence. But he's taken it on with a holistic approach. He's joined Western medicine. He's joined meditation. He's looked at his diet, his whole approach to life, And it's actually working for him in a remarkable way. But even more remarkable is the effect of that journey on him as a human being and his life. He just speaks so freely that the experience of cancer has actually added value to his life. Remember this excerpt from the Joel State podcast? Every day,
3: you know... I'm I'm human, and every day you you have—you know—you go through days where they're good and bad, and you get you get get annoyed at things and and that sort of stuff. But but more often than not, I I try and live for that day and that moment and and whatever Mm. I'm doing at the time, and and I I think of things I want to do and and I do them, and I think of people I want to spend time with, and I do that. And yeah, it's it's a real gift I've been given, I think.
0: Wow, that's an amazing phrase. It's a real gift I've been given. Yeah, you heard it. Joel says it's actually been a gift. What a way to respond to adversity, pain, and chaos by turning it around and having it as our teacher and our guidance to greater life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Joel. Hey, what about the Slats man? You've got to love John Slattery, dear people. What an endless tap of joy that man is. I've had so many people say to me they just loved his energy and they could hear his love for people. But Slats unashamedly says that his foundation to love people does come from his love of his God. He never inflicted any of his religious beliefs onto other people. But he did say that by tapping in to his belief It gives him a foundation of love. And then he said, and this is what makes him different, is that he expresses that in his want to connect with people. The slats man, he sees everyone as his brother and his sister. There is no one that he thinks he can't connect to. But the big difference is he goes out there and he does that. He is totally unafraid to ex- express his joy by asking this question, and it'll remind you of the joy and the happiness and the essence of John Slattery. Do you look to praise a lot? Do you like praising? Do you, You're looking for the good. You see the good. You speak the good. Is that something that defines you? What's that great line? You attract more flies with honey than vinegar. It's a great way to engage with a person. Yeah, that's John Slattery, and he is the epitome of engagement and connection with people. I'm taking a breath here, folks, because I've given you a glimpse of what's happened over those first eight or nine episodes. But it's ironic that the primary learning... Oh the greater learning, the, the learning that hit my heart and my being the most happened in episode one.
2: It was with Ken Pakenham.
0: There was a concept that Ken gave not only me, but I know he gave to so many. Peter Darcy, for example, in the last episode, even alluded to what he learned from Ken in episode 1 and this concept reframed my purpose i know it's done so for other people as well and it's a concept around value centered and values driven meaning of life let me not share it with you right here and now let's hear it episode 1 ken packenham what have you concluded is the meaning of life or what do you believe we should be pursuing that mm. brings great meaning to our mm. lives? So I think the meaning of life is individually discovered. So there's no one size fits all. This is what the meaning of life is. In my view, I think the meaning of life is discovered for the rest of our lives, by the individual, may I ask, therefore, if that is the case, just out of interest, what have you decided brings great meaning to your life? Mm. Yeah, I don't want to narrow you down to a single yeah. sentence, well, but I what can. brings meaning to you? so I can, and i and i I think the the pathway to discover the meaning of life is to understand, discover, identify, connect with personal values. Personal values. Ken won't mind, I'm sure, if I offer you an interpretation, a Bernie interpretation
2: of what I heard. I feel that that One piece of learning that Ken offered challenges me, maybe others, to firstly identify what are my values. In other words, to identify the essence
0: of me. But I can do that in a way that's a bit hazy. Just identifying the values, said Ken, wasn't quite enough. You have to go to stage two. You've got to clarify your values. And we need to clarify it because there needs to be great understanding of what that value actually is and what it represents and what it looks like in real life. How is that value played
2: out in action? And then, of course, The final step is to be that value. And I think Ken suggested to us
0: that the challenge of identifying, clarifying, fully knowing our values and then being them is a challenge not on a daily basis, not on an hourly basis, But to what extent can we be those values on a momentary basis? Dear folks, I'm going to say that again. To what extent can you be the essence of you, defined by your values on a momentary basis? Now, I think about that and I go, wow, because... I'm going to be distracted by so many things that are going to stop me from being those values on a momentary basis. But there lies the beautiful challenge. And if I start to think if it was at all possible that I could be those values on a momentary basis, wouldn't we walk with such confidence? Wouldn't we walk with such authenticity? Wouldn't we present ourselves with such strength? Wouldn't we feel inside of ourselves total congruency with who we define we are? Ken Pakenham, I thank you ever so much for what I consider a breakthrough concept that defines, possibly for some of us, definitely me, it defines
2: true purpose. But hey, What a challenging
0: pathway. And perhaps to demonstrate the challenge of it, can I now start to share with you, what are some of my values and how do I find them challenging on a momentary basis? I mean, there are some times where I just completely forget what those values are and I find myself being distracted by emotion. I find myself being distracted by so many things and the cost of it is, is... In that time, I lose the essence of me. And so it creates a tension, um, uh, uh, an unsteadiness, um, a little bit of instability, strong words, perhaps slightly exaggerated, but I think you get a taste of what I'm saying about. The truth is, in my eyes, each and every one of us, if you sat down right now and you wrote down your values. If you really released your, your thinking, I reckon you'd come up with 100. See, I, I value where I live. I value the country that I'm in. I, I value the kangaroo point and the offering of nature. I, um, I value a phone call to my son and my daughter. Uh, I value watching the Brisbane Lions. But you're listening to these values that I'm echoing right at the moment and you're quite correct. They're not my primaries. They are things that I have value on, but they
2: don't define essence of me. They're part of me. They don't define the heart and the
0: essence to a large degree. Dear people, I have, thanks to Ken, identified and clarified 12 primary values. I don't intend in this podcast to announce all 12 to you, but I am going to announce a few of them, not to sell them to you at all, no, but just to demonstrate That the journey of being some of these values is so difficult, it's so challenging, but it's also so rewarding because if I live these values to
2: a higher degree, I'm living the essence of me. Let me give you an example. I'm going to share with you, if
0: you don't mind, my first value. My first strong clear primary value is to live in the now. I've heard that phrase a lot and I'm not quite sure when I first heard it, I knew exactly what that meant. It means that to wake up today and no matter
2: what happened yesterday, last week, in the
0: past, today is a beautiful, fresh start. Whatever has happened in the past can
2: stay in the past. I don't want it to interfere with the joy and the possibilities of today. It sounds as if I'm suggesting that the past has some irrelevancy. It's irrelevant.
0: can't suggest that. But I am suggesting that we can change the meaning that we give to the past so that it doesn't impact who we are today. I do hear people, and they do talk about life being difficult, life being challenged. oh my God, they wear it on a T-shirt, life's a bitch. And consequently, some, certainly not all, They live life that way today. They actually bring those things of the past so into the current moment that it actually distorts the way they go about today. I I don't want to be that person. And yet, of course, I have to acknowledge that so much of my past unconsciously sneaks in to who I am today. This brings me to the second value, which is an answer to how do I live in the now. My second value
2: is to value self in spacious silence. Mm.
0: Even to me, it sounds a bit woo-woo-wooish. What does it mean? I just find that when I enter into a meditative state. Meditative. Free myself from thought. When I enter into silence, I just find the best and the beauty of
2: myself undistracted by thought.
0: Meditation. What is it? Unfortunately, I think some see it as Rafiki sitting on a rock with his legs crossed and his arms pointing to the universe. I think meditation is something far more simpler than that. It's developing a capability to stop thought from invading who you are in that moment. Beautiful Joel State, wasn't that a terrific episode? He had a superb definition of meditation. And the reason why it's worth listening to is because his use of meditation is actually positively impacting his cure of cancer. Have a listen to Joel State's definition of meditation.
3: Um, the other thing I do a lot is, is, is meditate, and, and, and just the mindfulness practice I think is really important as well, just to, just to put your, your head in the right space. I think if your head's in the right space, then your body's going to have an easier time healing. Mm.
0: Meditate, mindfulness, head in the right space. Mm. Explain what that actually means. If someone says to you, "What is meditation?" Yeah. What's your definition of meditation?
3: Oh, meditation is one of those things that a lot of people probably you know they hear it and they think it's some woo-woo you know sort of thing that is hard to grapple. But but for me, it's just about um, trying to clear clear all the all the thoughts from your head, not. Removing thoughts from your head is impossible. They're always going to be there, but it's it's, it's trying to recognise when they are happening. Um, so, for instance, my meditation practice is all about breathing. It's just about following wow. the breath, trying to concentrate on nothing but the breath. Wow. And I just do that. I only do that for, you know, 10 minutes at a time. Um and then you just have this this sense at the end of of that ten minutes of 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 lightness of of a you know it almost just brings a smile to your face without even trying, and, um makes you feel very calm and and um yeah just 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 your, your mind is quiet for want of a better word
0: it's amazing your mind is quiet for a want of a better word your your person is at peace for want of a better word your spirit. Is 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 calm and beautiful and and loving for want of a better word. That's what I heard when Joel gave us that wonderful definition. Peter Darcy, God love Peter. That was a fantastic um, experience with him. Um, quite a few weeks ago, he was our last episode. He's episode number nine. Peter Darcy, he very very clear on what we need to do with respect to meditation, living in the now. Here's Peter's advice as per the end of episode number nine. But Peter, it's only a single sentence. What do you say to those 50, 55, 60 plus entering this beautiful new age of life What do you say to them that they must never forget if they're going to maximise their existence? I tell them to get rid of the rear vision mirror
3: and not to be a product of your past that keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Just look forward and have a belief that you can have a magnificent life and you don't need all the resources that you think you wanted to have as a 20 or 30 year old. You don't. What you need is the knowledge of self mm. and that who you are
0: and, and that you're worthy. Gee, I love that. I really do love that. You know, Pete, in essence, just says value number one, got to live in the now. How do you get there? Keep the past and you know, keep thoughts, stop them from invading at any time. They don't have a right just to impact who you are whenever they want to. How do you do that? Joel says, let's come to grips with the process of meditation, which is the process of focus, without interruption, without distraction, creating peace, quiet, and an awareness of self. Joel goes one step better than that because he actually then explains some of the real benefits to him of his meditative practice. Now, you've got to remember, he's attacking a cancer for which doctors don't quite know how to treat it. That's why he's on experimental drugs. Some of it's working for him. But he would say it's not just the drugs, it's his holistic approach, which included meditation. Here's what he says is the benefit of that approach. Mm. Um, I've heard people refer to that space that you're talking about, that space of quietness Mm. uh, and peace, and um, some have referred to it as their connection or their experience of the God within, Mm. Um, uh, something that's got a greater presence than self. It's... It's it's part of our connectedness yep. to something greater. Yeah. Do you feel that way?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I was, I've I've never been a religious person and I probably wasn't even spiritual until going through this whole practice, but I do feel like there's something greater than us out here, you know, whether it's an energy. I I think of it as like an energy or mother nature or, or whatever, and whether we're all connected, every living being out there is is connected in a way and Quieting your mind just allows you to get out of your own way and and see how connected we are. Mindfulness for me is, is just being very present in what's going on around you and what... Meditation is just—it's a vehicle to get you to being mindful, basically. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed with my dogs, when I take them for a walk, if I'm being very mindful, I notice every bird, I notice every—you know—every <laughs> uh, lizard running across the ground. I notice flowers opening up, and it's—it's it's because you're not thinking about all these other things. You're not worrying about the things that have gone on in the past. You're not anxious about what's coming in the future. You're just in that moment, and for me that means I'm not going to worry about dying I'm not worrying about you know the, the the surgeries I've had in the past or anything like that. All I'm worried about is enjoying that moment out of nature and being connected to, to to the
0: rest of the rest of the world How incredible mm. just wonderful description <laughs> of the of the benefit I hope you heard it um folks we're not trying to sell every anything here we're just suggesting through our guests, these things appear to offer our guest value, but also given the responses that I've, I've heard and I've seen and spoken to people, um, there appears to be a lot of value in some of these, these thoughts. On a personal basis, um, the seed of meditation was sown quite a long time ago, so without hesitation to learn about it, I... Threw myself into that 10 day silent Vipassana retreat. For those that live in southeast Queensland, uh, you can come across the centre, it's in Pomona. What a mind blowing experience that was. I'm not suggesting that everybody just throws themselves into the deep end of a 10 day silent retreat, but it was a fascinating way of learning about the power and the possibilities. Of meditation. And then uh, recently, a Lizzie Turnbull inspired five day silent retreat in Byron Bay. I really enjoyed that with a great mate, Gary Logan. And we learned so much um, about meditation, uh, about our real self, about separating from thought and not allowing it to be a distraction, a constant distraction in our life. I've even played with a little bit of the transcendental meditation process. And just collectively, all of these experiences just awakened me and opened my mind to possibilities. What's been the benefit for me? When I'm really into it, and that's an interesting um, comment, when I'm really into it, I just see things more clearly. I just feel a greater love. I was going to say greater love for self. No. I just feel a greater love, full stop, for life, for people, for self, for anything, everything. I feel when I meditate and I'm in that space, I just feel as if I'm tapping into something, someone, a presence, a spirit, far greater than self. I don't find the space to meditate every day despite all that I've said. Why not? Habits, interruptions, interventions. Am I aware of its power? Yep. Do I believe that it can create a better existence for me today if I did? Yep. Do I know of that power? Yep. But I've still got a long way to go, dear people. That's an exciting journey. Hey, value number three is related, and Tony Groom's going to be delighted with this. My third value is to seek the spirit of nature. I don't know about you, but every time I spend some time with nature, I'm not talking about just a 15-minute walk or a 20-minute walk, mind you, There is the possibility that 5 o'clock in the morning with the sunrise, that could be powerful experiences. But every time I spend a trek, an inordinate amount of time with nature, I just come out of it feeling cleansed. I come out of it feeling as if I've connected with a presence and a force far greater than me. You know, sometimes I can sit on a bench and take in oxygen and then I recognise that the oxygen molecules that I've just breathed into my body actually emanated through photosynthesis of the leaves and the trees that are around me. So in other words, in some way I'm breathing in nature. And so I just feel an enormous connection with the power of nature, its sustainability, the way that it uses sun and water and nutrients in, in, in order to recreate itself, in, in order to provide for us. What a powerful force it is. And I'm connected to it. I don't know about you, but it sort of like empowers me. So... Seeking nature is very, very important to me. Do I do it enough? No. But I did it recently in taking seven to eight people to Everest Base Camp in Nepal. And with a smile upon my face, and I think they know this, but there were times where I just refused to join the group because the group was having fun, talking human chats about all sorts of things. But for me, I could only hear the musical call cool of the Himalayas. And to drop back 100 metres to experience that music was something um, very, very powerful. Knowing that I could always have the human chats about life and about uh, experiences over dinner that night. Hey, Tony Groom nails it. In episode number three, he talks about nature being our home. Let's hear what Tony t- says about nature. You said just then you introduced them to nature and then you said the park did its it magic. magic. What's the magic? What does it do, Tony, that why does Binnaburra and other reasons? why do they attract so many people? What is the the power of nature to attract people, and why do people want to go to it?
3: I think there are so many reasons. There, one is they're going home. Nature is their home.
0: Wow, well, nature <laughs> is their home. You know, if there is truth in that, well, it's no wonder that I want to invite you to the summit of Kilimanjaro, um, or to come with us to Everest Base Camp. We've got a great group going to Merah Peak in October. Um, of this particular year. Um, You've heard enough of my voice uh, in this particular podcast, so how about hear from Taylor? He'd like to speak to you about your possibility of joining us. Hey, don't think, by the way, that this is necessarily an advertisement that it is um, our, our trying to turn the podcast into business. I'm letting you know here now that we take with great pride the opportunity to introduce the powerful forces of nature into people's lives because we believe
1: it can have positive impact. Here's Taylor. I really hope you're enjoying this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Isn't it loaded with gems? I just love the way it enhances my awareness and provokes my thinking. Oh, by the way, my name is Taylor Pierce, And here's a thought for you. There are so many of you who have already inquired or booked your place on our forthcoming adventures to Nepal and Everest Base Camp. It's so great to have you on board. But you too are welcome to join us. We're departing Australia for Kathmandu on September the 5th and again on October the 4th this year. You will need three weeks to embrace standing at the foot of Sagarmatha, Mother Goddess, Everest herself. And we can get you there safely. And in the process, like these podcasts, tease you with experiences that just might bring you extraordinary joy and happiness. Check it out by visiting our website www.gitravel.com.au or better still, just pick up the phone and give me a call. I'd love to hear from you on 0419 That one phone call might just be the life enhancer you're seeking. We would be thrilled to have you on board. So give me a call today. Hey, let's get back to another journey. The journey with Bernie. Hey,
0: thanks, Taylor. And do give him a call because it's not possible for you to be disappointed with the experience. Hey, a fourth value of mine, and, and I'm going to explain it um, in, a, in a different way. The value that I'm about to articulate used to be love of learning. And then Ken asked me to clarify it. Well, his podcast did. And that's when I really thought about it. It wasn't love of learning was my value. It was actually thirst for wisdom. Seeking opportunities to become more aware of life's possibilities is the value. Then I have to know what thirst for wisdom actually looks like. And of course, I realized then a couple of things. Reading a book a month, but not just any book. Some of the books that, that I've read recently are Yogi's Guide to Joy by Sadhguru. I love the book by the two Japanese philosophers. I've mentioned it many times, Courage to be Disliked. These are books that, that open up my mind and my heart to different thinking and different paradigms. I love that journey. But equally, I can say to you that I'm a Rich Roll fan in terms of podcasting. I'm a Tim Ferriss fan, Sam Harris. These are podcasts that tend to be along the same line as this one, A Journey with Bernie. But they really do have some terrific information and content and take-home strategies and actions. I also learned that to read a book together with other people in our lives and then to come together Weekly, fortnightly, and to share the learnings of the recent chapter that we both read together. That's more than just a sharing. I actually get an interpretation then of another person's view of that chapter. Wow, that leads to extraordinary learning. And oddly enough, folks, I'm going to say it actually is a really loving act to share with another person. Why? Because through the sharing of the chapter and each individual's insights, you actually grow together. You actually learn together. You learn off each other and through each other. Well, I don't know about you, but that tends to bring me a little closer to such people. Yeah, first for wisdom was love of learning. Now it's a monthly practice of reading books. It's long drives of podcasts. It's awakening each day to more learnings. And it's a value that is very, very strong in my life. Fifth value, another one, is loving speech. And joyfully, I announce to you that I think this value is the one that challenges me most. I do take great pride, dear people, in speaking openly and honestly and transparently, but there's no use speaking in that way in such a straight way that it lacks empathy. And I know that the amount of times that I catch myself without loving speech is too numerous to count why why does that happen well as much as i talk about living in the now and as much as i talk about the power of meditation much as i talk about the spiritual adventures of nature the reality is is that aspects of my past subtly unconsciously at times they do intervene with how i respond which delights me. (laughs) Why? Because it only reminds me of how much more journey there is. I think at times, life is about degrees and we can have this vision of what we want our life to be like and look like and feel like and we can move towards it. But at the end of the day, You've only moved a certain degree and there's always a higher degree to be, in this case, loving speech. In this case, more living in the now without the disruption and the distractions. In this case, with far greater awareness. In this case, with greater momentary awareness of being the essence of self. This is the beautiful challenge. And I fail so many times. But of course, as we all know, we've heard it a hundred times before, haven't we? Failure is the foundation of learning and growing. Dear people, I'm, I'm very aware that this is a podcast in which you're listening primarily to One Voice. And because of that, I don't need to share all the other values. Just be aware that one of my values is to look upon my body as a miracle. Therefore, I'm not going to scratch the paintwork. I've got to eat with awe and exercise daily. Just be aware that I really value inspiring laughter and lightness. And I'm smiling to myself right now because sometimes I know people find even a conversation that I'm having with you now as intense. I don't feel it as intense. I feel it as being fully alive. And so from that state, um, I still seek to bring laughter and lightness into my interactions. I have a value of doing what is important every day. Thank you, John Buchanan. I have a value of treasuring my ones. Um, my ones are the dearest people in my life. And I ask myself, hopefully, most days, most weeks, what am I doing to enhance my connection with these precious people? They're my values. You could be hearing Ken Pakenham's challenge. He beautifully summarised with me, or we together, feeding off each other in that very first episode. There was a section in it which I think summarises the challenge for each and every one of us. Let's listen to that episode and hear that summary. Try this for a thought, Ken. It's almost as if you're saying what you do, your activities, even your career, if they are the manifestation of your values, like almost everything that you do becomes an extension. I love that word, extension of who you are. And I would have thought that if every day is an in everything that you do is an extension of who you are. That's surely the definition of solidarity. It's like great comfort because everything you do is the essence of you, reflective of your values. It has meaning. Yeah. So that's uh, that's almost like a, a desired place to get to. Yeah. Activity as an extension of who I am defined clearly by my values. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's a wow. Yes. Yeah. It's powerful. It is very powerful. powerful. Very mm. powerful. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very powerful. Is it powerful, folks? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you're hearing. But um, for me, that's a, a powerful, a powerful concept. For me, the challenge is not so much the power of values-centred and a values-driven life. It's more about the degree to which I can live that life. And am I better at that tomorrow than I am today? Am I better at today than I was yesterday? Maybe there lies the challenge. I've got to be, got to be better at striving to be just more aware. I, I think if I. I, I really... Did approach the meditation on a daily basis. I, I honestly believe that I would train my mind to be better at being aware at any given moment. Yeah, you know, the Dalai Lama once said, "He said I have the answer to world peace." And when the Dalai Lama was questioned as to what that answer um, was, he simply said, "This year, teach every eight-year-old in the world how to meditate effectively." And when I played that through in my mind and I think about a year of meditation to an age group, eight, nine, ten, young people, I think about then those who would carry that forward into their teenage life, their young adult life, maybe even their leadership life. I have a feeling that he's on to something because I think we'd finish up with a generation that would be far more aware we'll be able to go into moments of peace, quiet and reflection and come up with better decisions. But hey, folks, what would I know? I just know that I need to be more aware on a daily basis of living these values momentary. What is the benefit of all this? Why (laughs) why would one want to go down this pathway? I think because it leads to an outcome. I think it leads to a perspective of life that is just beautiful. And rather than me explain it, could I refer to the beautiful Jasmine Weston when she with Taylor talked about stepping into the unknown through adventure and through travel. But towards the end of the podcast, she said this.
4: Something I talk about a lot, within myself is the energy behind what you're doing. You can do the same action. You can go to the gym because one way you could do it because you're punishing yourself because you need to work out. You want to lose weight and all the things. Or you can do it because you love your body so much that you want to give it what it needs. The behavior looks the same, but it's the energy, the, the, the way that you do it.
0: Another word there is intention. The Absolutely. intent behind yes. it is is different. But I love what you said. The actual behavior to other people yes, looks, looks exactly the same. same. Yeah. yeah,
4: so yeah. for me, I always check in with, am I able to do this with great love? It's a question I ask myself, can I do this with great love? And if I can't, how am I going to shift myself out of, I have to, I should, that obligatory feeling? into I actually would absolutely love to do it. And parenting has really helped me in that, in that where sometimes you don't feel like playing a game, but how can I shift my energy into loving to do it? And it requires me to really tune into what I'm thinking in that moment and making a choice. Do I want to think that or can I think something different? And once you tell that different story in your mind, it definitely feels different in your body and you're able to move differently.
0: Wow, wow. Yeah, I still, think it's a, I still think it's a wow, folks, the concept of to what degree can we live love? Love, that is the outcome of living more fully one's values. Because when you do, you walk with solidarity and you walk with confidence and you are your essence. And that allows you. To give more. Give what more? Choose more love and give it. uh, Is it a formula for happiness? I I would have thought so. So what else is the benefit of this pathway? Jasmine hinted at it, but I think Joel's state even takes it to one greater level. I don't know of too many people who wouldn't value beautiful, dedicated, loving relationships with the precious people in their life. Let's be honest, we've only got so much time to reach out to people and there's only so many people that tend to be in our lives on a regular basis So how do we make those relationships something very, very special? Well, I think Joel has just supported so much of what you may have heard in this podcast when he said this in his wonderful episode. Can you describe the difference? I'm talking about the fabric of it, the molecules of love. I, I, I don't know what I'm asking here, but how is it different? It's richer, it's deeper. But what does richer, deeper love? How's it different than <laughs>
3: norm? It almost feels like for Kieran and myself, it's almost like we're we're one person sharing wow. sharing life together. You know, it's 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 really deep. It's quite hard to explain, but. You know, we, we're just so connected. Mate, you're blowing my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that quote, that excerpt still blows my mind. We're one person sharing life together. I'm, I wonder how many one persons <laughs> we could create with others where we are sharing life together, certainly to do it with a treasured one, Um would be a special experience for all. Dear people, enough said. There's a summary, um, a look at the past nine episodes and how it's impacted this journey, my journey. I do want to thank you yet again for all of your support. I'm going to ask you, please, if you're enjoying it, do share it with, um, with other people. Would love to have many more subscribers. want to thank those that are overseas and are tuning into this. Hey, Illinois, tell your mates from Oklahoma and Kansas City, will you? Um, what about your mates in New York? Come on, New Zealanders. I need you to waken up to a journey with Bernie. Um, it would just be fascinating and wonderful to share it with so many people. If I've made any um, um, statement about books... Um, people you're going to be able to read about those connections in uh, the event description notes thank you for your support in the nine episodes wonderful beautiful people dr deborah mills looks like our guest in the next episode of a journey with bernie hey folks thank you and just remember